Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yessa and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington and Charles Bishop are out on assignment. I think they're getting full of a lot of turkey and dressing. Greens, mashed potatoes. You know all that good stuff that you all put together. Probably some pumpkin pie. Uh, is it sweet potato pie? You know. <laughs> I got to ask them which direction they go. I still question it. <laughs> the guys in the background talking about pumpkin pie. What? Oh, pecan pie. You know, cake, chocolate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they look special. They get it like that. With all that being said, welcome to episode 462. On Thanksgiving Day, inside HBC Sports Live Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports for institutions large and small. From our NIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. For short, we just call it the HBCU sports pedagogy. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. And today, we have none other than Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew. That's Brian and A.D. of the Sports Wrap, coming hard and strong to give us your Thanksgiving show. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live. Case away's 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper, who I know is working because he works all the time. It's kind of where I got in the habit. In the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that being said, let me bring on the duo, generally bringing your HBCU sporting news together on Sundays. I like to say they get you prepped for the week to come as uh, they review all the things that happened that weekend, just to get your mind right for the next weekend. They kind of either push you on the ledge <laughs> for those that, that might be there, or some of them, they take you off the ledge. I don't know. It's how they decide to do it. That being said, Brian, how are you doing today? Well, I'll be the one that pushes and let Drew be the one that uh holds you holds you back. So how about that? I'm I'm okay with that. that I'm doing well. Right. That I'm sounds doing... about right. That yeah, it does, right? right? It does. Uh I'm doing well, Doc. Thanks for uh, the invite. Um uh, doing doing well. I'm, I'm missing some of my my stuffing, uh, my mashed potatoes and, and all the fixings, but uh I got memories. I got memories. <laughs> That's correct. A lot of us have those memories. I can understand. You know, I put spent all my money, made all this money this year or whatever, and the wife took my money and went to New York with Deuce and the mother-in-law. Uh, so 
Uh, they did send Which is why you have time to do a time. show. Exactly. They were up there with the Alabama A&M band opening up the Mason Days Parade. They did a great job. They said they enjoyed it, but, you know, left me here. So I had to figure out my way to make sure I got my own little turkey dinner. Bet they enjoyed that Macy's department store, too. <laughs> Man, why you tell me that? Uh, I'm sorry. Sat, now I got to go. Now I got to go look at the car. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't go do that. Don't go do that. <laughs> With that being said, AD, how you doing today? Man, I am doing fine, Doc. And can I give you something that I'm thankful for on this Thanksgiving day? I would hate that you wouldn't. All right. I am thankful for you. You know. We're academians around here. We try to take an academic approach, uh, especially when we're on the inside the HBCU sports lab. I, I am, that. I am thankful that we are in a real live case study in the midst of a case study, which mm. I hope will once and for all shut everyone up when it comes to the Celebration Bowl versus FCS playoff debate. And this is what I mean by that. Central, in the Celebration Bowl last year, Central, FCS playoffs this year. After the season, let's survey everyone with Central, the players, the coaches, the administrators, and see which experience they enjoyed best. (laughs) Fam, you, two years ago, FCS playoffs. This year, opportunity to go to the Celebration Bowl. Should Fab you make it to the Celebration Bowl? Let's survey them and see what their opinions are. And then for historical purposes, Doc, we can go back to the A&T teams who did both of them. Uh, and I mean with the same group of kids. Celebration Bowl, FCS playoffs, Celebration Bowl, and see how they feel. Eight, ten years later. And then, whatever their opinion is, Doc, just put that out there and shut everybody up one way or the other on this debate. I like it. Let's do the data analytics of it. I think I know which direction they're going. That being said, said, today's episode of Inside the HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency. Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. With that being said, Brian, how are you doing today? Well, um, in, in all honesty, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, missing missing people, uh, but uh, it, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm thankful, thankful for a lot of things. And so, uh, with, with that said, I'm, I'm just enjoying the opportunity to, to be able to be on with you tonight, and Drew, and and got some football on in the background. And, uh, you know, it's all good. That's good stuff. I certainly understand that this season can be won. And for all those that have had missing someone, uh, hopefully you can come in here and we can brighten it up a little bit. You certainly understand there's nothing going to change that. But we are with you and we certainly understand. So I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, A.D. Drew has brought that up uh, during um, earlier in one of the shows to recognize his sister. And so it is important that we pause. And understand that uh, all uh, that has transpired uh, this year or the last couple of years for some. With that being said, let me get into some news. AD Drew, where you want to go with the news of the day? Uh, where do I want to go with the news of the day? How about 
mixed emotions, Dr. Cavill. You know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes. Which means naturally I was I was a Missouri Tigers fan as a youth. Hmm. The mixed emotions come when an HBCU, Jackson State, beats the team that I grew up rooting for. Hmm. And that is what happened the other night. Uh I believe <laughs> that was really- that's a great Sunday night. Yes. Okay. Jackson State uh, men claimed a 73-72 victory over SEC foe uh, Missouri. Ken Evans had 20 and three steals to lead the Tigers to their first victory on the season. And they they had three players in double digits. The Tigers did. Jordan O'Neill had 18 with two steals and Colty Young chipped in 14 and had two steals. Zeke Cook pulled down five boards to pace the Tigers' offense, and that would be the Jackson State Tigers, not the Missouri Tigers, uh, which grabbed 10 boards that turned 10 offensive boards that turned them into 14 second chance points. Jackson State defense w- was a problem uh, for Missouri, forcing 18 turnovers while committing 13 of their own. Those takeaways led to 26 points on the other end. So, uh, like I said, mixed emotions. You know, I grew up a Missouri Tigers fan. Always will be a Missouri Tigers fan. But my HBCU experience and fandom kind of trumps that. Plus, gives me a a chance to talk a little trash when I go back home (laughs) to some of my uh, family members and and my classmates. You do that extremely well. I like to see that. Quickly, dressing or stuffing? Oh, uh, stuffing. What? What's? What is stuffing? <laughs> you stuff. You stuff an envelope. You don't stuff a turkey. You know. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely dress it with some cranberry sauce on top. Nice can. Oh, cranberry yeah, man. Fresh made. Bro, I'm lazy, man. Get, get what I can <laughs> over there. <laughs> All right, uh, and, and just like just like I didn't do a sweet potato pie, I went and bought me a Patty Labelle this uh, this year. Hey, nothing wrong with oh, Patty Labelle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, give me an update. Uh, what news do you want to share? Well, I, I did want to touch on that, if you don't mind. I wanted to touch on that Jackson State thing for a quick sec because. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that that upset was kind of brewing for them. I paid attention to a couple of other losses yeah, that that one. team had, and they were leading a couple of teams by at the half and let some games slip away in the second half. But overall, you know, what I noticed, the SWAC as a conference, and I tweeted this out, you know, I think yesterday or maybe even this morning, the SWAC in terms of a conference – it's conference RPI in men's basketball is sitting at like 24 right now. And in large part to these non-conference wins, like that win, the win by Southern uh, against UNLV. Um, Prairie View's got three wins on the season against uh, mid-major programs. And the significance of that is usually we see the Don't swag. UAPB. Yes, UAPB as well, Arkansas. Central Arkansas. The significance is that usually – um, what well, we always see the SWAC and the MEAC kind of ranked around 30, 31, 32, which means we end up in the first four or we end up as a 16 seed. 
if the SWAT teams can continue their winning ways, especially against mid-major programs, you might mess around and see a SWAT team as a 15 or, God forbid, a 14 seed because of the conference continues to win. So uh, let's keep rooting on, you know, despite our fandoms in the world of football, let's kind of root on and support when we see Jackson State or another school, a rival, do well. It's all good for the conference. And then when we get in the conference play, then we can get back to talking smack about each other. But, um, you know, I, I, I did want to mention that. Um, all right, Doc, real quick, I'll, I'll mention over in the world of football that three HBCU coaches were named to the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year, or they were named as Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year finalists uh, from – uh, I believe it was uh, stats stats perform or um, the the analyst is what the site is called now. Um, those three coaches are um, Willie Simmons, um, Willie Simmons, of course, of Florida A and M, Larry Scott of Howard, and North Carolina Central's Trey Oliver. They were among the twenty finalists for the Coach of the Year Award. Uh, the award, in case you, you didn't know, was presented was first presented in 1987. It's now in its 37th season, of course, named after the legendary Grambling State coach, Eddie Robinson, who, of course, Grambling State is in the FCS, formerly Division I AA. Uh, the winner will be selected by a national voting panel and announced on December 7th, they will be honored at the FCS National Awards Banquet on January 6th in Frisco, Texas, on the eve of the FCS championship game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if either one of these coaches uh, have earned enough uh, respect and traction to to possibly win this award. Um, I think it's interesting that Trey Oliver... Uh, got North Carolina Central as high as number seven in the rankings. They've been ranked all year in both polls. Uh, of course, Willie Simmons uh, has had a 10-win season for Florida A&M, first time since 1999. They have ascended to as high as five in the coaches' poll. Uh, I don't think they're that high. I don't think they're in the top 10 in the uh, media poll. And then, of course, uh, Larry Scott, has uh, led Howard to back do, do I do I call it back to back or do I say one and a half uh championships <laughs> in the MIAC? I you know I, I want to be I want to be fair to what it is but over the past two seasons he has definitely done a great job at Howard Howard is the MIAC champion outright this year heading to the celebration bowl so kudos to all three coaches and uh it, it'd be great to see one of these uh one of these coaches at our institutions uh you know get that award named after a coach who uh, was a legend in the HBCU coaching community Good stuff. at least Good stuff. a share of the BAC title for the last two years yes yes okay. that's how that's... you do it cuz just to get it straight for those out there actually both teams have had the same 4 and 1 record at the end of the season uh, whether it's Howard or North Carolina Central. Last year, they were 
recognized as co-champs in terms of Howard and North Carolina Central, just like every other league regular season. You have a record, then you're named co-champs. Uh, the head-to-head matchup was the tiebreaker. And that tiebreaker was won by North Carolina Central last year. So they proceeded and went to the celebration bowl. This year, both of them have the same record, uh, except for Howard won the head-to-head matchup. Uh, but in this case, they came up with a rule in the MEAC in the offseason that there's no longer co-champions. So whoever wins the tiebreaker if teams are tied and earns the bid to the celebration bowl, they are recognized as the sole champion, although there were two teams with four and one records at the end of the season in the MEAC as we'll go down in the record books, just so everybody is clear but not clear on what takes place in the MEAC. That being said, as we get into our first break, I did want to give some shout-outs to Jackson State and other HBCUs. Jackson State paces all Division I HBCUs and FCS schools in home attendance. Jackson State led all HBCUs and FCS schools in football attendance for the 2023 regular season. According to the latest NCAA figures, the SWAC program drew an average of 30,000 fans. It's actually down, though, from 42,000 where they just swept everybody, averaging in 2022, but still paced the country. Among other HBCUs, Florida A&M, FAMU, averaged 17,616 in fans at Bragg Memorial Stadium, followed by Southern at 17,465 fans, Alabama State with 17,385 fans, and Norfolk State at 15,656 fans. All were ranked in the top 10. So you had one, two, three, four, five of the top 10 HBCU programs. Then succeedingly, you had Alabama A&M at 12,934 fans at 13, Alcorn State at 12,018 fans at 14. And then it drops off a little bit for those outside of the top 15, if you would. With that being said, we'll get into our first break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll get into some more thoughts. Uh, as we move forward with our poll rankings, then we'll give a chance to give AD. I think he has some follow-up thoughts as well. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this first break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. 
Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. We press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow yeah, and who's about, about. So listen to Professor Yesa yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're going to get into it. I did want to give an update. Band of the Year announces five contenders. ESPN Band of the Year Committee has tabulated cumulative scores as it narrows down the band, two bands. In each category, the final total ESPN Band of the Year competition are in, and we'll finally have a list of top five programs in each division that would be considered for an invite to Atlanta. The Band of the Year Committee released the rankings based on cumulative scores exclusively to HBCU Game Day. The top five programs in each category will be consideration for the invite to the Band of the Year competition to take place on December 15th in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Two bands will be selected from the top five in each category based on a number of factors, including availability for competition. The participants will be announced on November 28th. We, dis- we will discuss more regarding top five after the marching sport poll ranking in week 12 mid-major division. Major division segments are announced here. But before I get into that, I did want to say, Brian, fried turkey or baked turkey? Ooh, fried turkey. I, said, I, well, you know, gotcha. if, if it's good, yeah, if it's a good baked turkey, you know, you, you don't even think about that stuff. But but once you've had fried turkey, you never go back. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I agree. Eighty Drew, did you want to have some follow-up comments from the first second? Uh, yeah, we were talking about it during the break. Uh, curious to know if uh, classics are included in those attendance numbers and which des- if so, which designated classics would be included because I look at a team like Alabama A&M who played in two classics, if I'm going right off the top of my head, obviously the Magic City and uh, Gulf Coast Challenge or whatever they call the one in Mobile. They had like three of them in a row back to back to back, so I don't know which one Alabama A&M actually played in of those three, but uh, you know, and then Alabama State also, Magic City Classic they played in Mobile, we know Jackson State played uh, in the OBC, they played in Mobile, and I believe Jackson State was the designated home team this year in the OBC. So it, it, it's just one of those things as, as I look at those let me, numbers. Let me give you an update in terms of the rules because I think yeah. that's a good point and folks will have that question. Uh, the rules are pretty straightforward in terms of the NCA. The NCA at one time at least allowed programs to designate a secondary home stadium. Um, it had to be a regular game event that they played at least one major time there. You can only name one. So in case of Alabama A&M, obviously they play in Birmingham for the Magic City Classic, and they play in Mobile for a Classic or two, depending on the years. So they would have to designate 
one of those games as a traditional home stadium, secondary home stadium. And then when they are the home team, um, they could include that in their attendance. That was the rule at one time. Another example is the State Fair Classic. Even though it's a neutral site between Grambling and Prairie View, they still designate one of the teams as the home team. Essentially, whoever would have had the game on their home campus, they're designated as the home team. And they literally flip sides of the stadium every other year in the State Fair class. People that go there all the time recognize that, that you're not just designated one side, you pick up. It flips between who is the home designated and the SID is responsible for providing credentials to everybody that seeks credentialing from a media perspective through that game. So it's not handled by the um, promoter. Obviously, they'll help in some conditions, but it is handled by the SID. Whoever's the home team uh, is recognized as the team that could, if they designate that as their home program. So in a case, you could do that with Prairie View. Now, the thing that would be a challenge for Grambling, they also have the Bayou Classic, which we'll talk about a little more later in the show in regards to some analysis of that game. So Grambling could not count both. They can't say that their secondary home stadium is both the Dallas game there in terms of State Fair Classic or the New Orleans game, the Bayou Classic. They would have to pick one, uh, no matter what, in terms of that case. Now, could they alternate year, like the year they're the home team in the Bayou, that's their secondary stadium, and then the year that if they're opposite in Dallas, that would be their secondary stadium, would they be able to alternate uh, years? I, Was there any clarity on that? I'm not clear. Or am I, or am I reaching? Is. I don't want to put that out there. I'm not clear. But theoretically, um, if they update it every year, but that's a lot of work for folks that don't have that kind of time. But that's a so great point in terms of trying to figure out how you want to average your attendance. So it's gotten to the point now that I don't even think most of them count any of the classics. So I don't know if the rule has changed. I'll follow up on that and see if I can put out some clarity. So let them play that annual game in Jacksonville. They could count that as their secondary stadium uh, Correct. over the last couple of years. Okay. Correct. Correct. Can I, can I, can I also add, it's interesting when you think about those attendance numbers, is I was looking at the percentage of capacity for those rankings, which I think is also an interesting sort of sidebar in that in that discussion. And I think it's something that it, uh, athletic administrations should definitely target, think about. You know, for example, Jackson State, while leading the FCS at 30,000, are just at 75% capacity, which in a stadium that seats 50, that's still pretty good. But when you start moving down to those other top 10 schools, you, you know, nice job by Florida A&M to be at 89.7% capacity at about 17,000, while Southern Alabama State, Norfolk State, they have room for growth. Southern at just 61%, Alabama State at 65 and Norfolk State just at 52. So, yes, the numbers look good. But man, imagine if you could increase that capacity to 80 to 90%. And that's something that those athletic departments and marketing departments within the athletic department should really be trying to say, how can we grow our our, our fan base in our market? 
Correct. I agree with you in terms of that. And that's when you really get into the business metrics in regards to understanding where you are and if you have the capacity within your athletic department in terms of business. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, hopefully we're getting towards that. But my experience is, is you oftentimes have the marketing person associated with the social, with the, um, social media person who oftentimes is the same person that does sports information. And to be honest with you, they just don't have enough time to do that, manpower to do that. They're preparing stats and making sure everything gets reported. You you just don't have that. So while that would be good <laughs> in terms of understanding that, you need somebody Preach. that specializes in marketing to understand. No problem, Drew. Preach. In there, <laughs> is that sometimes on the outside, we look at the next step in terms of business capacity. Uh, but unless we have somebody that at the ADVP of athletics that understands that it sometimes takes you money, meaning you have to invest to get a return on your investment in terms of the business strategy on how do you improve ticket sales? How do you market to people in regards to increasing the attendance at the gate uh, above your capacity? So it, it is important in just not getting excited or saying that you are top 10, uh, which is one metric, which is important, obviously, that you are doing some things. But Looking at where you are in capacity does say a lot in regards to where you go. With that being said, let's take our second break and come back on the other side. We'll get into our band rankings. There's not a lot. There's not any change really in the mid-major, so we'll go through that pretty quick. But let's go to a break, and we'll come back on the other side and get into our mid-major rankings. When it comes to professional learning, teachers deserve better. From the leader in online learning, Stride brings you the Stride Professional Development Center an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that gives teachers choice and flexibility, allowing them to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. It's time you take charge of your learning. Visit us today to get started. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Will with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Man, see, even on Thanksgiving, we're talking about the business of sports HBCU lane. We're going to get into it. With that being said, let's get into the mid-major marching sport in week number 11, week number 12, I should say. 
There's not a lot of changes as things continue to go down and not a lot of matchups as Division Two is basically over except for the playoffs. Obviously, we had two teams in the playoffs that were down to one. And then we have the inaugural Beach Bowl, which features two more uh, HBCUs participating where you will get a final band matchup. So we'll roll with it. And nobody dropped out, as I said, top seven. We have Albany State Golden Ram marching show band. Uh, remain at seven and three and one and three and one in the conference race. We have number six, Virginia State, the Trojan Explosion, four and one, three and oh, as they remain at six. And number five, Clark Atlanta Mighty Marching Panther Band, three and oh, two and oh. Uh, they remain at five. Be interesting for their pep band. Shout out to the, the men's program at Clark Atlanta University as they have reached what five and oh, six and oh, as they continue to get it done. They're undefeated early part of the season. Shout out to Clark Atlanta Panthers on the men's side of the basketball program. With that, get it to number four, Langston Marching Pride, a 3-0, 2-0, and the 32 points that remain at four. At number three, the Benedict Marching Tiger Bands of Distinction, a 4-0, 3-0, 151 points, remain in the third spot. At number two, Winston-Salem State, the Red Sea of Sound, a 5-1, 5-0, three first-place votes, 162 points, remaining in the second spot. And then we have Miles, the Purple Marching Machine, a 5-1, 4-0, Five first-place votes, 164 points. So they remain uh, number one in week number 12 in the mid-major marching sport. A.D. Drew, what are your thoughts in terms of the March mid-majors rankings this week? As you see, everything stood fast because there wasn't any direct, direct matchups. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot to really comment on because there weren't a whole a whole lot of changes. <laughs> right. I, actually, I think everybody's in the same spot. If I looked at that correctly, Doctor, that's Cabrera. correct. No change. All right. So, so here's the question. Let let let's spin this to the band of the year. For those bands that are in that final five for the band of the year, how much? Do they continue to work on their routine and stay sharp mm. until they get that call saying yes or no? Kind of same thing as a football team waiting on their bowl bid uh, right now or going into uh, playoffs. If, you know, that's the only thing that I could really equate that to. You know, do, do they do they do that? Do they continue to practice and stay sharp and work on a routine for the band of the year competition? Just any case, so you know that that that's a that's the uh, big thing, and I know I've got my favorites from your poll and the band of the year competition, who I would love to see in Atlanta when I get to Atlanta on that Friday afternoon. But we, we, I guess we have to wait till Tuesday to find out. Yes, Tuesday is the day. Let me give you the top five as HBC game day official uh, designated to release it of the ESPN band of the year. Top five compared to my top seven. Savannah State, the powerhouse of the South, 721 cumulative points over the September, October, and most recently November release. Number four, Central State, the Invincible Marching Marauders, are 723 points. At number three, Winston-Salem State, the Red Sea of Sound, 744 total points. At number two, Virginia State Trojan Explosion, 750 points. And number one, Florida Memorial, the Roar, 772 points. 
I have to do this just outside of that that you drew was Tuskegee University marching Crimson Piper. And, you know, I had Benedict is two, Band of Distinction, or at least in my top seven, I should say, they're outside uh, at seven, as well as Miles Gold College, the Purple Marching Machine, eight. Those are the programs just outside of the top five. Before I go to you, Brian, let me give an update for those out there that are following the ESPN Band of the Year. As you notice the cumulative rankings, some people assume that the top two would automatically be the two that go. No. Now what you do is you have the committee, those committees that rank these. And just for clarification, there were individuals on the committee. Each month, they were responsible for one of those five categories that we saw that measured bands. For example, you know, sound was one of them. It was somebody that was specifically responsible for judging sound. They reported their scores, didn't have anything else to do with step back, and then they were released, and then they found out what their work is. Now that group of individuals, they will go into a room, receive all this data that they went over, and then out of the top five, they will make a choice on the two that represented it, and obviously, one part of that is also your availability to participate. So similar to what you see with these committees uh, that do a selection uh, for the playoffs, FCS, BCS, obviously they have some different rules. And even more so uh, re- in the past, BCS and most recently the CFP, college football playoffs in regards to that. And then I say it's similar to what you see for those that have followed the Catholic Church with the Pope. And the white smoke's coming out the chimney. They'll release it on HBC Game Day, and they will tell you those two. So that's part of this too. So, so HBC Game this. Day is the chimney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they will do two smokes, one for each of the top two. But all seriously, these are folks that will go in there and do their analytics, and they have all these metrics that they use uh, to rank these folks. And you'll get out of these top five, you'll get two that will ultimately get an opportunity to go to Atlanta. And there's a payday for this. It's a significant payday. I can tell you that. I will let it be a release officially of what that looks like, but I can tell you that this will be the largest payday, double if not triple, than what any of these bands have ever got from any competition that they have participated in. So it's not even close in terms of what this will do for these bands to get a chance to participate in this championship hunt. With that being said, a lot on the table, Brian. Were you in regards to what you see with the top five, or you can go back to my rankings, top seven. Now, what are your thoughts on all this? I'm confused. Um, <laughs> because, well, because... Yeah, I did all that. I thought I was brilliant. <laughs> you, you were excellent. You were excellent, Doc. Great explanation, but... He was just born that way. I'm, 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 I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried that You've created a system that to me seems uh, very precise, clear to understand. Now you're telling me that like the, and that was a great analogy, by the way, of the, of the, uh, the, 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 what is it? The papal process that goes on in maybe a pope, which if I recall listening to how that all goes down, uh, it's crazy. It's like, you know, we got, we got one group of bishops over here 
and another group of bishops over here, and then they're trying to analyze all these. So now you're bringing politics into play, which I think that's where you're going to frustrate the heck out of it. Let's just for imagine you have these rankings and you have the top one, two, three, and let's just say you come into these politic meetings or these, these meetings and the number four and five team end up or, or band end up being invited. Oh, you're going to have all, I mean, the whole diaspora is, except for those two schools are going to go nuts. They're going to go nuts about this whole process. And, and then, you know, you've been quantifying it up to this point. You know, giving us exact details. I mean, it's based on A, B, C, and D. Okay, that's stuff I can see. You put a number value to it, great. Now, what are we? <laughs> what, what are we? What are we? What are we now judging on? Whether your band can make it? Uh, yeah, that's whether, one of them. I, I mean, that's, that's one of crazy. them. Now. That, you can't have a competition if the band ain't gonna make it, and you can't well, force a band to make it. Because you'll be surprised that there are some bands that were not in on this in regards to being re uh, receptive uh, to participating at the highest level. Right. And so that anything you gotta... that you do new, oftentimes you got some people that have reservations. Sometimes the reservations may be good. Let's be frank about it. And sometimes their reservations are self-serving. But I would imagine if the bands have been submitting shows some of them didn't submit and they still got ranked yeah because they would they would go in and do their own analysis now um mm. that is part of the analysis uh with the group if you were not part of the process of submitting everything there's a chance that you may be slightly ranked lower than somebody that was fully participating and had everything in and to me that's fair uh, if you were a band had some reservation and you didn't want to go in this and then all of a sudden you had bands that were doing everything, you might have had some great performances. Uh, but you were not all in, and it's hard for me to reward you the same way as a band that was all in. So these are some of the things that I can share with you that hopefully clears out some of those things with your concerns. And I think you do have some real concerns, but at the same time, like, I will say this. I don't think people take in enough understanding how difficult it is to start something new. I don't care how good your motives are. Mm -hmm. When you talk about politics, politics is not just one way in terms of some group. There's right. politics going into stuff. And everybody's not on the same page uh, to be supportive. And it doesn't mean that you hide your head and run the other way. If you think that you're doing what's best, to create a, a event that is going to ultimately serve uh, bands to understand one, their value. Uh, I think it's important that you move forward. And I think the greater good of this will have to deal with all some of the things that people will uh, have some backlash and some rightfully concerns, but that's life. That's just where we are. So I think you do everything you can to get it best you can. And it doesn't mean that you can't change an update. As you talked about the BCS and CFP, look where we've gone over the last 20 years. You went oh, to yeah. not having any type of playoffs, to some semblance of some made-up type of polls <laughs> that were done by numbers, then it was done by people. Now, all of a sudden, next year, you'll get a 12-team playoff at the major division level, and 
you know I don't like to talk about them so much because I think they're all greedy as hell in terms of this capitalistic system and don't want to share anything. But I just thought it was important to give an example. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're stuck here and you can't change. Go ahead. No, um, I, oh, I'm oh no, 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 that, that's a good point. Go ahead. Go ahead, AD. I was going to say the only thing that I would have changed with this uh, latest release, Dr. Cavill and Brian, I'm, I would not have put numbers with it. I just would have said, these are these are the five finalists. Mm, and let, let people yep. speculate. That way, some of those things that Brian is concerned about, if number four and number five wind up getting in there, people going to have all this chatter. No one knew who number four and number five were, unless you were able to really go back and really do some deep diving oh, and, and analytic point. type stuff. I just would say, these are these are our 10 teams, five at this level, five at this level, under consideration. You know, stay tuned on Tuesday at X, X, X o'clock, and we'll release the final two. That's yeah. just what I would have done. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think some way you got to also do this from, we were talking about marketing earlier. Some of this is also marketing. So part of this, in terms of HBCU game day, obviously being an official release, that's a marketing strategy uh, in terms of group. Us being able to talk about it, comparing it to my top seven, that's a marketing strategy. Uh, the fact that you put some type of rankings like they just do uh, with the CFP again, you know, they talk about the top six and they do it every week. Sometimes they're the same, slight changes, but it gives people something to talk about and it's a measure although it's only the final one that really counts the most in terms of who's going to be in there. So you also got to put in there, there's a capitalist part of this, there's a marketing strategy to drive interest. So I do see your point that it would solve one issue, but then you got the other issue about marketing. Let's take another break, come back on the other side. We'll get into some matchups, give you some analysis of this uh, Turkey Day classic. Uh, Not Turkey Bowl, (laughs) uh, but that's something else. We'll be right back on the other side after this break. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll. We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow that. And about, about. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside HBC Sports Lab. We're here with uh, AD and Brian. With that being said, Let's get into Montgomery, Alabama, Hornet Stadium, Turkey Day Classic. Man, to be so into HBCU sports, you know, it used to be all about the NFL for me. Now, obviously, I don't really follow the NFL. That's for a different discussion, different reason. 
but I'm glad that we have the turkey day because it allows me to get some football in, and I'm all in it, so I watch it uh, point blank as a TV analysis, much like anybody else. But Hornet Stadium, Turkey Day Classic, you had major division number six Alabama State Hornets that finished the season at 7-4-6-3. They defeat a mid-major at number seven, Tuskegee Golden Tigers, 7-4 and four, as they fall and six and three in terms of what they six and two, I should say, still in terms of the conference. And that should actually be six and two. I added that game as it was conference. I guess I got Tuskegee joining the SWAC a little early. Final score was 41 to three. <laughs> With that being said, uh, Drew, let me go to you in terms of your analysis on that matchup. You would start with me, Dr. Cavill, because I'm still trying to contemplate what I saw. I've had to put the eye drops in my eyes to clear up what I saw. What I saw was the fact that Tuskegee against two FCS teams from the SWAC scored a total of six points. Three against Alabama A&M, three against Alabama State. Drew, at least they were consistent. (laughs) What I saw was once again Tuskegee not pass for 100 yards against an FCS opponent. 0 for 2 on third down. Oh, excuse me, 0 for 2 on fourth downs. 3 of 13 on third downs. We did hold the ball for 33 minutes. That Maybe that was because the game was such a blowout early that we just didn't want them to continue to run the score up on us. But, uh, you know, and despite all the disappointment I had in this game, this let's give Coach Aaron James his uh his proper. He was in the hunt for the SIAC championship until the last day of the season. Uh, you know he's got he's got a lot to work with there at Tuskegee, but let's be real: the lines, the defensive lines from Alabama State and Alabama A and M were just too big and too athletic for what Tuskegee has had. Uh, Although Tuskegee owns the series now, I believe it is 62 to 39 after today. Uh, They are, Alabama State has won six of the last 11 matchups between these two teams, including Labor Day and on Turkey Day. So, uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot, but the the one bright spot for me in all of this, Dr. Kavir, at least the Crimson Pipers were competitive at halftime. Yeah, great point. 316 yards from Alabama State to 227. Uh, you pointed out, though, Tuskegee was just 3 of 13 on third downs, 0-2 on fourth downs. That was tough. But Alabama State was a very efficient on their third downs, 7 of 9, uh, which meant you couldn't get them off the field. Uh, rushing, uh, Tuskegee did uh, pretty good on rushing the ball, 148. Uh, but the problem is they would get uh, like third and ones, third and twos. Uh, and Alabama State defense would stuff them. I mean, they would, they did tremendous on first and second down in terms of yardage. But uh, to consistently do it to get down the field, uh, it just wasn't there. With that being said, Brian, what are your thoughts in terms of what took place in this matchup? Well, I, I was almost going to say Alabama State is the Alabama State champs, but then I looked up that it probably goes to Miles now. Miles with a win over Alabama State and a win over Tuskegee. 
while Alabama State is two and one against uh, you know A and M, Tuskegee, and then losing to Miles. So I, I guess you know uh, I'll let the good folks in Alabama decide. But but um, I, I think uh, when you knock somebody in the mouth from the get go, from the first kick, the opening kickoff of the game. Tuskegee got punched in the mouth and it was like, okay, we see who's ready to play and who's not. And from that point, it just rolled. And so, uh, I, I, you know what? I'm looking forward to the hundredth. Uh, I, I will be in the house. I'm going to try to find my way there since I'm missing the 50th of another classic. I'm going to try to be in the house for the hundredth of, uh, of this particular classic. And, you know, I think for Alabama State, it's, it'll be interesting to kind of see what they do in the offseason. Good, a good, a good season. Um, a few missed opportunities, uh, but but they have to improve offensively going into the offseason. Uh, defensively, Coach Rob has has this team in a good place for the second consecutive year. Offensively, though, they leave a lot to be desired. And hey, forty-one points. I don't know if that's it's a good time to score 41 points going into the offseason. Thank you, Tuskegee. Hey, you may f- try to figure out who's the uh, Alabama state champ. I definitely know who finished in last place in the state of Alabama, and that was Tuskegee who lost to all three of the other Alabama football programs. Yes, indeed, they did. Ooh, that's a tough one, especially to have a season that seems you know really solid, seven and four. Obviously, those Tuskegee fans that grew up with them winning championships, getting 10, 11 uh, wins, 12 a couple of times, obviously 74. But rebuilding is not bad, but it's tough when you lose to three other schools in your state to get that excited about it in terms of those four losses. Um, that makes it a little tough. It'll be interesting, as you said, in the offseason, see what that looks like. Let's slide over to a couple of states that slide over going west and get into this matchup to be on Saturday, a SWAC major division game of the week, New Orleans, Louisiana, Mercedes Stadium. That is Saturday, the 25th at 2 o'clock. It's on NBC. I got a top 10 matchup, and these teams are ranked really close to each other. The record's the same, and that says a lot. You have number 10, Grambling State Tigers, 5-5, and 4-3 and in the conference race. At number nine, Southern Jaguars, five and five, four and three. Unlike many years, the Bayou Classic will not propel one of these teams into uh, the SWAC championship game. That has been decided. Uh, Prairie View did what they had to do against that Alabama State team last Saturday, and they had the head-to-head tiebreaker as Alcorn beat Jackson State as well. They ended up with the same record, Prairie View goals as they went on the road in October, late September, and kicked a 50-yard field goal that ultimately was the difference in who will play FAMU in Tallahassee for the championship game, which says a lot. But back to focusing on this Western Division matchup. Again, the Tigers come in at 5-5 five and five overall. Jaguars at 5-5. Five and five. Somebody's going to come out of this with a winning record. With that being said, Brian, what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup? So, if I'm not mistaken, since 1974 that this game has been played in Louisiana. Uh, I'm sorry, New Orleans, because, of course, both schools are in Louisiana. Um, the series yeah, is, is 
Yeah, it 25-24 in favor of Southern. See, this is called a rivalry. That thing that happened in Orlando last weekend between Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman, that is not a rivalry, folks. When one team has won two-thirds of the matchup over the other team, and the other team just happened to win over the last 20 years of the seven-year history, that is not a rivalry. This is what a rivalry looks like, right? Where when you get, you know, when you fire your head coach on the week before the bye week, you know, that's a rival because you're like, well, the season's a wash, but we sure as heck can't lose the last game of the year, so let's fire him. Grambling <laughs> did that. Grambling did it, and they won. Now, the, the advantage for Southern is that Southern has won four of the last five matchups. And so here's Southern saying we're both five and five. Somebody's going to have a winning season. Somebody's not. We can't afford to go into the offseason with a losing season, not after we just got rid of the guy who we only had on campus for two years and a four-year contract. So let's let's make the guy who beat us two years ago when he was the interim, let's make him the interim. I, I see how y'all folks do things in Louisiana. I love it. Y'all are just mm, – it it's, it's special. It's special, man. It's my – I don't know how I didn't grow up occasion. I don't know how I didn't grow up. Pardon. Maybe I got some bloodlines and a Creole Cajun. I don't know. I might hit because y'all do things kind of different down there, and I love it. I love it. So give me give me Southern all day in this messy matchup, and uh, I, I like Southern by ten. I, I'm just gonna put it out there now. Give me Southern by ten with the interim coach who'll be the the first coach to win the Bayou Classic for both schools. Good stuff. As as. Ryan said Terrence Graves leads Southern into the Superdome as the newly anointed interim head coach, the longtime swag assistant coach, had the same opportunity two years ago when he was the Grambling interim head coach and led the Tigers to a 29-26 victory in the 2021-48 uh, Bayou Classic. Now he's back for the fifth. And you're talking about a hell of a trivia question, particularly if he can get the win, 80 what are you? Which direction are you going? Well, my question is: Should win or lose? Does the W or the L go on the interim head coach or the acting head coach for this particular game? As Sean Wallace is the acting head coach, which kind of goes to like you say, you, you, all that stuff you like now, Brian. You know, he gets the L. It, I'm gonna it's, that now. If they it's, lose, it's, he gets the L. <laughs> it's, it, it's mess. You got an interim head coach, but you got an acting head coach for this game. You know, don't nobody know what the hell going on. Don't nobody know who's record to put this on. None of this stuff. Hey, Look. they might be on to something, Drew. They might be on a new way of organizing and running things. Don't sleep. Southern might be on to something. Just watch. Just watch how they, this plays out. They might be on to something, but something, but something going to be running away from them. And that's the Grambling running game. Because Hugh Jackson continues Ooh. to pound the ball like he has done over the over the last few weeks, they are going to run away with this thing. Grambling has been hot the last couple of weeks. You know, Grambling had go went through this low. They won. They and lost. They nobody. won. They and lost. Now they won. It it, it don't matter whether, whether you play our sisters of the poor or or FBS team. The one thing Grambling has. Is confidence. The one thing Southern has 
is confusion. I'm going with confidence over confusion in this particular matchup. I'm going with Hugh because, let's be real, Hugh cannot afford to lose his game to an interim head coach and keep all those people in North Louisiana happy. Hey, if you wins this, if Grambling wins this game, we're talking about Hugh Jackson in a whole nother light all offseason. I'm just going to tell you that now because we're going to be like, oh, look at the program. It's progressing. He won six games last year. We're talking about him entirely different if 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 Grambling wins this game. That is so true, but it's crazy because if Drew said he'd lose it, you're talking about a whole different way. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like one game in terms of your total record really – Besides how we're going to talk about you in the offseason. But you're accurate. That will be the case, right or wrong. That's the case. With that, let's take another break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about the major division marches for it. We have a new team in the top seven. We'll let you know who that is and why. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. That's a pretty tight spot. Then press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to allow that. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab. Let's get into the marching sport at the major division level. We did have a team drop out, Bethune-Cookman, the marching Wildcats, 3-1, 1-1. Not only do they not totally participate in some of these uh, marching bands and things of that nature, maybe that's even ESPN. That's a whole nother conversation. But they don't participate a lot in SWAC matchups either. They came in 3-1, but they had the last one on the season. We played in the Florida Classic. They took an L. Boy, did they. Three and one, one and one overall. So they fall out of the top seven for lack of participation and getting an L on the way out. Boy, I tell you, it's tough. It's tough to be the marching Wildcats. Hell, All Wildcats. the pride they had down here wasn't enough to keep them in the top seven. <laughs> At number seven, Texas Southern, the Ocean of Soul. They dropped from six to seven, still holding on with the season record of three and two, two and two overall. At number six, Southern, the human jukebox, five and two, three and two, solid season, but not really up to their expectation, 145 points. At number five, Alabama State, the mighty margin Hornets, four and two, three and two, solid program. They do drop a spot, 157 points. Jumping up, that was not ranked. They jump all the way up into the pole and they jump in at number four. Florida A&M, the marching 100. Not a lot of marches, but when they do perform, they tend to win. Three and one, they get it done in the Florida Classic, Florida Blue, Florida Classic. They're three and one, two and one, 165 points. They were not ranked. And number three, Mississippi Valley State, the Mean Green Marching Machine, probably the surprise of the year. Credit to the Mean Green Marching Machine. Excellent season, four and one, one and one in conference play, 188 points as they get it done. At number two, Jackson State, the Sonic Boom of the South, six and one, five and oh. Three, having one of a heck of a year. Many people see them as one of the best out there in Venice, and they have rejuvenated themselves and even jumped up another level if that is possible. But they're still at number two, which brings us to number one, 
Norfolk State, the Spartan Legion, probably surprising everybody in a lot of ways. People had talked about them, and I'm not sure if they really recognize them. Well, they're squarely on the map as it was by now, 7-0, 3-0, 7-1st-place uh, votes, 206 points. Spartan Legion continue at the top of the rankings in week number 12. Got to win this last game as they took down South Carolina State. The marching one-on-one, they got it done. Before I ask you your thoughts on this, let me jump to the ESPN Band of the Year. The committee did accumulate the scores in the band categories at the major division level. They have the top five. They actually have a tie for number five, right? And that is five, Tennessee State, the risk crowd of bands, 778, total total cumulative points. Also at five with 778 points is the Previan and Marching Storm that really pulled forward over the last two months, including being at number two in November, which has thrust them into the argument in terms of the top five, really top six, because there's a tie at five. At number four, Norfolk State, the Spartan Legion, 791. At number three, Southern University Human Jukebox, 801. At number two, Jackson State, the Sonic Boom of the South, 808 points. At number one, North Carolina A&T, the Blue and Gold Marching Machine, 832. Uh, the Norfolk State, as I have on number one, they are four here. So uh, my top seven, I pretty much have everybody in there except for North Carolina A&T that they have is number one. So there is some distinction there. Part of that in my ranking, again, you have to participate in matchups. And since joining the Colonial, right, now the Coastal Athletic Association, they just do not have a lot of matchups against HBCU bands. Not that they did a whole bunch of traveling, but it is even more difficult now when you don't have that matchup. They are doing five other categories which does not necessarily match up head-to-head -head participation, which I think is important when you call it a marching sport. But that's a whole different dialogue. With that being said, let me stick with you, Brian. What are your thoughts in terms of top seven major division marching sports? Family 100, they were out most of the year, but they showed out in classic form at the end of the year, and they jumped in the top seven. Not in the top five. If I do give you this, though, Outside of those top five, at six, really seven, uh, when you do your rankings, uh, Fl Florida A&M, marching 100, 770. Texas Southern Ocean of Soul, 735. And balancing out is South Carolina State, marching 101 at 7-2. Number nine, Alabama State, marching 476. And Grambling State, world-famed Tiger marching man at 673. Brian, what are your thoughts? I, I think A&T... I'd be shocked if North Carolina A&T Blue and Gold Marching Machine is not one of the two finalists. Uh, I think they've been consistently in your in the rankings all three weeks, like either top three in almost every category. One one time, I think they were number one in three categories. Again, we talk about validating as much as you want to do all this. At some point, you have to validate what you're doing by having at least one of the right schools in there. And so the one school I think that you, you got to have in the finals is A&T. You can, you can flip a coin on Jackson, Southern, and Norfolk, to be honest with you. I think mm -hmm. all three quality bands, I don't know, again, 
what you would distinguish one versus the other. But uh, I I think A&T's got to be in there. Yeah, interesting. Good points. Good points. AD Drew, what do you say? I want I want to go to your part, oh, uh, Dr. Cavill. Uh, nice to see another blue blood jump into the poll with the march with the march of one hundred jumping into your poll. You know, we discussed this last time mm-hmm. that I was on here discussing the bands about the lack of blue bloods uh, in the poll. But what concerns me is that another blue blood, Southern, is going the wrong direction for a blue blood. Right, you know. And obviously, we've got two blue bloods who are not appearing in your top seven. That being A and T and uh, Tennessee State, the aristocrats of bands not appearing in your top seven. But we know why they don't appear because one of your criterion is matchups. Because of their conference affiliations, they don't get the matchups that you that you need. Uh, shout out to Norfolk and Jackson and Southern for actually having matchups. They've had seven matchups this season. Unfortunately, Southern has not done as good in their matchups as the other two that I mentioned uh, there. Now, here's the question that I have for your pollsters, Dr. Cavill. With Florida A&M jumping up to number four in your ranking, with possibly two matchups remaining, does FAMU have enough where they can crack one of those top three spots with those final two matchups, considering that everyone in front of them is possibly dead. Unless, like Brian said, if Norfolk gets to the band of the year competition, that would give them a late matchup that I'm pretty sure that you're uh, – that your poll is going to consider before it names its champion also. That's absolutely correct. I'm glad you asked that question because that is what we actually will do and wait on. You do have a matchup with Southern that may help them. They have the Bayou Classic against Grambling. And according to the band of the year, that's a top 10 matchup. So it'll be interesting to see what Southern and Grambling get done. That's going to possibly create some movement. And yes, you're going to have a marching storm. Uh, marching 100 matchup in the SWAC championship game. That's going to give those two bands the opportunity to have some movement one way or the other. Uh, certainly, if FAMU gets it done, that boss them up a chance to move up when the other ones are not going to play uh, during that weekend. And then you have uh, FAMU, if they get it done in the SWAC championship game, they have another matchup with Howard, Showtime Band. Uh, which means they have a chance potentially on at least two more victories. And that doesn't count if they actually make it to the band of the year. They would have three matchups Mm. left in terms of what's going on. So there's a lot still out there in terms of the marching 100 uh, as their trajectory is certainly going up. Southern has at least one more. So that's potential. Prairie View has a chance to have at least two more. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this goes down in terms of the marching sport band ranking, particularly in the major division, because you have these matchups yet to be determined. Uh, And we'll see what that looks like with the mid-major in regards to who gets in. Benedict uh, has a chance uh, with maybe another matchup 
And so that's going to be fascinating to see what that looks like uh, along with Florida Memorial. It looks like they're probably in as well. And don't forget Johnson C and uh, Fort Valley in exactly. the uh, Florida Beach Bowl. Yeah. So we'll play this out all the way to the end. We'll freeze it after this week because you won't have the matchups. Uh, well, I should say after next week, we'll freeze it. Uh, based on that, the mid-majors will be frozen this week, uh, which we have done with our band ranking. So great point. I'm glad you put that at the table for those that uh, look at what we do with our marching sport rankings. With that being said, we're going to take another break. Last break, if you would, we'll come back and talk about some of these playoff matchups and get you on your way to get back to the kitchen to get your <laughs> late night snacks and some of your turkey uh recipes some of you got another piece famous, of patty waiting on me yeah those uh famous turkey sandwiches yeah with the dressing <laughs> we'll <come back laughs> see what your thoughts on these playoff matchups stick with me right back that's a pretty tight spot watch this of course your beard works itself that's so you it's just up here on the right of course you know where we're going that's so you kind of got a sixth sense and a head-up display here. Hit the field. Warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yep. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Impress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love yeah. and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Wills inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're back for our last segment with Brian and AD of the Sports Rap as they're gracing me on this Thanksgiving day. Give me a chance to take them away from the family a little bit and take them away from the table, which is a good thing, but it doesn't mean they don't have a chance to go back. With that being said, let me give a special shout out to John Grant. Quote, the beautiful thing of all of this is we are talking marching bands in November and December, changing the game. I would say 100% without a doubt. Great point. Definitely, and, Mr. Grant. as I said earlier, the nice thing about it is there is a sizable reward that is going to these bands unheard of that is unmatched about what they have received for participation in Battle of the Bands or other contests as well. That is significant in terms of changing the game in multiple ways. With that being said, Drew, macaroni and cheese or black eyed peas? Black eyes for New Year's. Mac and cheese for all other holidays. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, good one. Grind. Green bean casserole or greens? <laughs> you actually thinking? <laughs> I, you know what? My mom made a real good green bean casserole. Yeah, I, know. I mean, <laughs> I mean she really did. Damn, I missed that. I mean, she made a real good green bean casserole. I remember the first time she made it, I was like, what in the world? And then you had that first. That little nice crust. 
Yeah, yeah. You hear that text? You're like, Mom, what? What is this? Yeah. So ever since then, I became a oh, look. I love greens like every other black man that grew up. So I mean, look. But green bean casserole, I'm gonna go green bean casserole. Can I, can I add something to the greens? Yes. Hot sauce, yes or no? Yes. 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 <laughs> that that changes the whole equation. That being said, let's get into this matchup, and then I'm going to ask you on the way out. I got to ask you and give you a chance to think about it: mashed potatoes or dirty rice. And it probably depends on what countryside you're from. You get a chance to think about that, and then I have a last one for you as well. With that being said, let's go to the mid-major division, SIAC. Saturday, NCAA Division II playoff, second round, NCAA Division II playoff. Shout out to Channisberry. Had a chance to watch his show this week. He uh, really uh, is doing well over there, excited about what he gets done. 12 o'clock, that's 11, uh, our time. Sack, number 11 overall in the top 25 versus number four in the top 25. Lenore Ryan Bears, 11-1 coming off the first-round victory, 8-1 in terms of what they did in conference play this year. They ranked four in the region. They're at number one in the region, Benedict Tigers at 11-0, 8-0 of what they finished in the SIEC. SAC versus SIEC. With that being said, A.D. Drew, what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup? It's, it's going to be real simple in this matchup. Line play, both both directions. Can the Norfolk, excuse me, can the Benedict defensive line continue to dominate like it has SIAC opponents against this SAC opponent? Because the line for Lenore Ryan, let me tell y'all something. The line for Lenore Ryan is the truth. You know, I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from the Benedict Tigers players, but this will be probably their biggest test of the season thus far. The only line that maybe that they face that they could compare to Lenore Ryan would possibly be Miles. So can their defensive line get into the backfield for Lenore Ryan? Because Lenore Ryan only ran like 68 plays last week, 69 plays, something like that, which means they back to slinging that thing. And the only way you can sling that thing and get big plays and put up that many points is if your quarterback has time. They cannot give their quarterback time in the backfield. And let's flip the script. Last year, this time, the Benedict offensive line let Benedict down. And we know uh, not only with the passing game, but the running game. So that offensive line will have to get a push against the Lenore Ryan defensive line and allow Benedict to run the ball effectively against Lenore Ryan. If the if Benedict can dominate the trenches offensively and defensively, Benedict wins this game. Good stuff. Good stuff, Brian. What are your thoughts in terms of this matchup between the Bears and the Tigers? I I really dove into the numbers looking at this matchup, and and you come out realizing these are two of the top defenses in Division Two. Um, you know, just like Drew said, I I don't know. This might be the biggest test in the region uh, for Benedict, uh, with all respect to the teams on the other side, uh, because everything that Benedict does, Lenore Ryan does just as well. You know, points per game, 
Both are averaging over 40. Benedict's like 1.4. Uh, opponents points per game. Yeah, Benedict is only giving up like eight and a half points. Lauren Ryan's giving up 11. I, I found two little nuggets that I think we all ought to pay attention to. One of them is on third down, right? Um, offensively, Benedict is fifth in the nation on third down conversion. Conversely, Lenore Ryan is second in the nation in preventing opponents to have success on third down. So when Benedict has the ball on third down, pay attention and see, okay, what does that look like? Um, I think it's also converse on the flip side of that, that Lenore Ryan is not very effective on third down. So, you know, to flip down. So basically what I'm saying is pay attention to third down on both sides of the ball, because mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a give or take there that is a positive for one team, a strength for one team. And and maybe if you want to call it a weakness, let's just call it something you really, you maybe don't do as well as other things. Also, how the game starts is so important for Benedict. Lenore Ryan who won? Who they won eleven games this season? Their only loss came when they didn't score first. Literally mm. eleven wins, they scored first in every game, and that's a stat that they were very proud of when they lost that one. I think they were eight games into the season, eight or nine, when they lost finally to Wingate and didn't score first, uh, and Wingate ended up winning that contest. Uh, but they rebounded, and I think in the three games since, including last week's playoff, they scored first. So, Coach Chinnis Berry, Benedict, um, I know you're going to defer if you win the coin toss. That's a smart move, but that means the defense has to get a stop. You cannot let Lenore Ryan score first because I think if you let Lenore Ryan score first, they get comfortable. But psychologically, it yep. may start bringing up memories of a year ago. So watch who scores first. So, I mean, those are the two things I'm looking at. Who scores first and what happens on third down? Good analysis. With that being said, let's get to the real thing. The question, <laughs> dirty rice or mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes. Who's up? I'm going mashed potatoes. For you, AD, your question is since I gave Brian a casserole, I'm going to give you one. Sweet potato casserole or candy yams? Ooh. I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> Dirty rice or mashed potatoes? Neither. Sweet potatoes, which leads me to sweet potato casserole. Yams. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, good analysis. Back to the football talk. Last one we have here. MEAC major division game of the week. Richmond, Virginia, E. Claiborne Robbins Stadium. You have the Coastal Athletic Association, formerly known as the Colonial Association, better known as the CAA versus the MEAC. We've seen the MEAC get the best of the CAA this year, one data point. Obviously, Another data point, North Carolina Central is 3-0 and against the CAA this year. 
Uh, with that being said, Richmond is actually one and two versus the HBCUs they played this year. Two of them for the conference, Hampton, North Carolina, and one in terms of the outs outside in terms of them was uh, Morgan State. They lost to both Morgan State and Hampton. With that being said, they come in ranked number 25 in the FCS coaches poll. The Richmond Spiders are 8-3, 6-2. They face off against the number 13 NCAA FCS program, North Carolina Central Eagles, uh, that are ranked number two in our HBC major division poll that was released on Tuesday. Richmond comes in with a record of 8-3, 6-2 in terms of what they did in the CAA. North Carolina Central comes in an overall record of 10-1, 4-1 in terms of what they've done in the conference. I should say 10 and uh, two, actually four and one in terms of what they got done in the conference. One loss uh, at the FBS level against UCLA, and then one loss to Howard uh, that clinched the bid to go into the cricket celebration bowl. With that being said, sticking with you, A.D. Drew, what are your thoughts in terms of this North Carolina Central and Richmond Spiders matchup? I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of uh, stats. So what I am going to hit you with is North Carolina Central, number 43 in total offense. Richmond, number 83 in total offense. Richmond, number 44 in total defense. North Carolina Central, number 64 in total defense. What does that mean? Central should be able to move the ball against Richmond and stop them just enough where they can maintain the lead. Look, Central knows the formula to beating a team out of the CAA because, let's be real, teams in a conference play a certain style of ball and you know, BAC has a certain style of ball. SWAC has a certain style of ball. And when those two conferences cross each other, the BAC style of ball for the last seven years has tend to uh, lead to the BAC winning. Same thing is going to happen in this. BAC has a style of ball. CAA has a style of ball. And this year, last couple of years, the BAC style of ball has kind of led to the BAC team winning a lot of those, a lot of those matchups. So, Everything favors Central. And let's throw this one thing in. Central would not be a deer in the headlights. Like, mm -hmm. let's take it back to uh, 2021 when Florida A&M to the FCS playoffs. Florida A&M was a deer in the headlights in that case. Central, coming off of last year's Celebration Bowl. If Central can play in, in front of almost 50,000, in a neutral site game, I think they can go to Richmond and play in front of 10,000 on the road and not be phased by everything else that's going on around that game. I love that point. Love that point. All those points were good. Brian, your final thoughts on this matchup between the Spiders and the Eagles? Um, I I, I went back and, and looked at the historical significance of this game for North Carolina Central. And since the playoffs expanded to this 24-team matchup, there have only been four, four times 
since 2013 is when they did the expansion four times at an HBCU um, uh, previously has been in this tournament. Um, you had Bethune in 2013, Morgan State in 2014, North Carolina A&T in 2016, FAMU in 21. We got Tennessee State and, and, in 2014 what? or something, 2018, something like that. Tennessee State is in there because they got a win against a Pioneer team, I think, uh, yeah. And those first two, Brian, that's when the BX still had an automatic. Uh, yeah, the first two were, yeah, automatic. Um, I think the Tennessee State one was, yeah, it was 2013. You're right, Doc. Yeah, that was 2013. So it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, Bethune, Bethune and, uh, Tennessee State. Um, what's significant, I thought, A, Richmond has knocked out two of those teams. Mm hmm. Okay, and then also when I looked at the path of where they place Central, Central is in a path where winning a game against a pair of CAA schools puts them in a quarterfinal quarterfinals matchup against a four seed. Every other time you either had to run up against one or two seeds. Right you know, point. Yep. And, and so I guess my point is, you know, go one and oh, Central. Do what you do. Do what you've been doing. Uh Davius Richard, be Superman, be great. Uh, you know, Mookie Collier, run run like run like, you know, there's a Jackson State defender in your path and stiff arm the hell out of any <laughs> spider that you see. I mean, really, this is such a great opportunity, but I think it's going to shine a light on uh, our our programs, our culture, our coaching, and just uh, what what we do in the MEAC. I think so. I mean, I hate to say, you know, I, I think I read a post or an article about carrying the flag for HBCUs and MEAC, but really, really, just like Benedict, that's what Central is doing, and but, but and this year feels like. You got the team to actually get a first-round win. You feel like you got the team to do it. And so I just hope they can close the deal. Yeah, you're right. This is really looking good, which is what makes me nervous when it seems to be too good is when you have your constellation. But we'll see it play out. We certainly will be fans of watching it. We certainly are pulling for both Benedict Tigers and the North Carolina Central Eagles uh, to take us on a ride as we follow uh, the other side in terms of the SWAC championship game and the cricket uh, wireless celebration bowl uh, at the end of the season. With that being said, make sure you check out Carlos Brown on Saturday, AD and Brian on Sunday. Brian, you wanted to, I mean, AD, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I just wanted to give you something to mull on. If this is not good news for you, Dr. Gaville, then I am going to tell you, but <laughs> As we get ready for the SWAC championship game, and we'll break this all down starting Sunday on the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap, and I know you have your breakdown. I knew I should have muted his mic. Or inside the uh, sports Right to the outro. Right to the outro, Doc. All right. Here's the stat of the day. Since 2010, there have been 11 rebatches in the SWAC championship Mm -hmm. game. Yeah. In those rebatches, the team that won game one is nine and two, Dr. Yeah. Cavill. 
with the with the two wins coming in 2012, when Jackson State won the regular season match, UAPB won the championship. Yeah, and in 2015, when Alcorn won the regular season match, and Grambling won the championship yeah. game. Does it look good for a Prairie View if the numbers uh, continue to trend? To hold up. Out. I like that. That's a great stat. That uh, of the day. Pull up. I, as you said, that it's not day. one that I enjoy that. that With that being said, uh, sweets as we close up. Cakes or pies? Brian? Pie. I'm go with this one. I'm going to go pies. So that probably makes this easy. Uh, mm. Pecan pie? Or pound cake. Ooh, pecan pie. Love pound cake. <laughs> Only Drew? my mom's pound cake. How about a pie disguised pie. as a cake? How about a cake disguised as a pie? Oh uh, yeah, that's that's tricky. Cakes of pie. I, and I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna just answer before you even throw it out there. Cheesecake. Oh, you like cheesecake? I was gonna uh, do uh, sweet potato pie or chocolate cake. But since you said cheesecake, I'll substitute yeah. that in there. Cake disguised as a pack. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but that means, hey, let's get out of here. We're having too much fun. Thanks, Roy, for all the pain and extra time he spent with us. Thank you two gentlemen for taking time out of your schedule and blessing us and making sure that we can have a show on Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Shout out again to none other than John Grant taking time out of his holidays, along with all of our other guests, G-Boom Holly, Ricky Burton, Chuck Hunt, Jerry Johnson getting in here, uh, Edwin D. Moore, Carol, Carol on here giving us some love uh, during this busy time. Brandon King, Sherry Beverly uh, on here showing us love. With that being said, thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yadikaville, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Make sure you check us out on Sunday as we'll do our wrap-up. That is 9 o'clock Central. For all those that will be traveling uh, one way or the other, be safe on the road. Uh, May the blessings be with you, and may you continue to join your friends, family in terms of that in some good old-fashioned HBCU football. With that being said, again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, obviously giving us their talent today is Brian A.D., uh, with that being said, we look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the news. Follow me, Dr. Yadikaville. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-J-A-C-A-V-I-L. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on YouTube. Uh, Facebook and YouTube is Inside the HBC Sports Lab. And that is Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Dream big and continue to move forward. Again, let me especially thank AD Drew, Ryan Fulford for taking out time in their schedule. Make sure you continue to check them out, Brian, uh, on the ONG Strike Zone. They had a great show. If you get a chance, go back while they talk about a lot of Rattler love as they should. They took us down memory lane. They brought in some of those founders that really took us in the social media world as things started on the blog spaces. They did it with the MEAC fans page, the SWAC fans page that you know now, the transition HBCU, I mean, the transition of SWAC sports. Uh, TSPN, which is now HBCSports.com. They paid homage to Eric Moore, rest in peace, uh, as um, also they talked about the fifth quarter 
uh, page and those involved in getting that started. So go check that out when you get a chance. Great history, great legacy in terms of that. Great job in terms of the interview and telling the story. Brilliant. Also, obviously, as we said, call us around on Saturday. Check us out on Sunday. With that being said, we will talk with you soon. A.D. Drew. Of course. Brian Fulford. Lecture. Roy. Dismissed. Happy Thanksgiving.